everyone and welcome to another episode of Menopause, the good, the bad and the downright sweaty. I'm Diane Brink, and with me as ever is my lovely co-host Sophie. Hey Sophie. Hi. Hi everyone. Yet again we are recording remotely. <laughs> <laughs> so there may be some technical glitch because there always is. <laughs> Yet the year rolls on and it rolls on, as Sophie says, in a way that we are still not able to get together for a cup of tea and the obligatory slice of cake, unfortunately. And hugs. I miss hugs. (laughs) And how much do, how much are we missing that? I mean, it's just, I can't imagine, you know, kind of, what it will be like when we are all, you know, Sophie and I have, we've been very fortunate and we were able to, we were able to get together, I think once, Sophie, isn't it? Yes. When we went off on our, on our little holiday to the Suffolk coast. To see our Bam Bams. (laughs) (laughs) So for anybody that has not listened to the last one, Um, You really need to go back and listen to it to understand the reference to Bam Bams. Um, But, yeah, that's I think that's yeah, that's the only time really so, isn't it? So it's been months again. And then suddenly we're in December and I'm I'm still convinced we didn't even have Easter this year. I've missed (laughs) I've missed a few months. I'm just not prepared. Like, you know, you go into shops, it's like Jingle Bells and I'm looking for the Easter bunny. (laughs) This is just all wrong. So are you are you ready for Christmas, Soph? Hell no. <laughs> uh, well, I, I have had a, a couple of minor instances where I think I've tried to be prepared at some point and I've ordered Christmas presents for the girls. Mm. And then I've gone to wrap up things and I've noticed I've bought things twice. Oh. And it's now past the return date. So... <laughs> I don't, Stephen was just laughing at me yesterday because I just uncovered all this stuff that I've hidden, but I've hidden it from myself and completely forgotten that I ever bought it in the first place. I mean, that is seriously keeping it safe, so. I know, and I'm just like, oh, and a couple of things, you know, it's like um, dressing gowns with their initials on, so it's not like I could sell it because... Yeah, there we are. That's my yeah. Uh... They're being prepared and being prepared. So maybe they'll forget by next year, and you can give them to them again. Hopefully, but top tip, everyone, write it down if you buy something. <laughs> where you put it? Oh, and how are you doing? You've obviously got a big, big move coming up. Yeah, it's uh, we're fine, lovely. Um, I as as I sit here, I am surrounded by brown boxes. Um, which thankfully most of them are already taped up. So yes, we are uh, on the move on Friday. Um, so at the moment, my office is everywhere I look, there are brown boxes. Um, it is, um, I would say it's disarray, but actually it's organized chaos. Um, Martin has been amazing and essentially has packed around me. Um, while I've carried on working, um, Andrea, who is one of not only is she one of the moderators on the Menopause Support Network, but she 
she's also um, looks after admin for menopause support. She is absolutely convinced that on Friday, the removal people will carry me out on a chair, still tip tapping away at my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> Just picture so, it now. Um, so, yeah, it's... um. It's a, it's it's been an interesting time here, put it that way. But hopefully, um, you know, sort of from Friday, we will be uh, firmly installed, and then we at least we have a couple of weeks over the Christmas New Year period uh, to breathe and sort ourselves out. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, seriously, who would move the week before Christmas? <laughs> We never do anything by halves, lovely. <laughs> oh, Lord. you have to let Santa know that you've got a new address. Absolutely. Important stuff, yes. <laughs> you're definitely on the good list. <laughs> I put in a good word for you. Oh, you're very sweet to say so, honey. <laughs> so, we've had some good news in the medical world. Um, so, do you want to give us an update about the recent testosterone news, Diane? Yeah, absolutely lovely. So it has been, um, well, I think it will be good news, um, hopefully in the future for, um, you know, kind of for the UK and in fact for the rest of the world too. But we learnt um, in November that uh, a product some of you may have heard of, which is called Androfem. So Androfem is a testosterone cream. Um, and it's a product that's produced specifically for women. So as many of you will know, at the moment um, in the UK, the only testosterone products that are available via the NHS are licensed for men only. So the dose has to be titrated down quite significantly for women. Um Androfem has been available in the UK for a couple of years now, but it's only available on private prescription. Um, and thankfully, um, the good people of Australia have decided that they are going to license it for use for everybody, essentially, um, which is fantastic. And is definitely the way forward. Um, you know, it's a huge step forward, essentially. Um, really, it's a major step forward in addressing what is, you know, kind of a gender disparity um, in in treatment regimes. Um, and I think that hopefully in the... When I say not too distant future, I don't know how long that not too distant future is. Um, but I know that Michael Buckley, who is the guy who who owns Lawley, which produces Androfem, I know that they are going to look at the potential prospects for having Androfem registered um, so that it can be licensed for use more generally mm -hmm. in the UK rather than just for private prescription. Um, I mean, we know that, you know, sort of we know that some people, you know, you and I, Soph, are both testosterone users um, because we're both in surgical menopause. Um, 
So women in surgical menopause lose a proportion of their testosterone uh, producing ability when their ovaries are removed. Um, we know that for some women who are in a natural menopause, they need to have testosterone replacement. So at the moment, it's tricky. Um, you know, a lot of GPs are not only um, not happy to prescribe it, um, and that's often because they didn't learn anything about it. Um, so understandably, don't feel that they're able to prescribe because they don't they don't know that much about testosterone. Um, you can sometimes be referred into an NHS menopause clinic um, to talk about testosterone. But an awful lot of women are having to um, fund private care to get access to testosterone. So hopefully this will be a huge move forward and, you know, huge kudos to um, those in Australia for making it essentially the first country where testosterone is potentially available to all those women who need it. And, you know, hopefully this is the first step in making testosterone available to more women, not just in the UK, but around the world too. So it's, you know, um, it might seem like an awfully long way away <laughs> um, on the other but side. It's of the a world. positive step, isn't it, in the right it direction? Is, it is definitely a positive step, lovely. And I think, you know, I think it's important that we recognise those positive steps because it shows that, you know, all the campaigning that everybody in, you know, kind of in the menopause world is doing is actually starting to make a difference. Um, you do very often feel as though you're hitting your head off a brick wall. Um, but actually, you know, it is, I think, very, very slowly, but very surely, we are starting to see things moving in the right direction. Because the benefits that women feel from testosterone can be huge. Like for me, my cognitive function is vastly improved by using testosterone and my libido which Stephen's really grateful for um, and <laughs> yeah I, know from, I mean you know I menop- think yeah I think the thing is Soph you're absolutely right and I'm really I'm really glad that you mentioned your cognitive function because I think very often the word testosterone is immediately linked with sexual function mm-hmm. and you know whilst it's true Certainly, libido can be improved. Um, testosterone is another hormone where it's much more complex than that. You know, as you say, for you, cognition, it also has a part to play in muscle and bone health. It also has a part to play in outlook, you know, sort of how confident we feel, etc. Um, so it's complex. And it's, you know, for women like you, for younger women, it's absolutely vital that they have access to it. I mean, you know, it's I've talked about it being the missing link for me. I know that for you, it's made a big difference, too. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, for many women in surgical menopause, it's actually testosterone that they feel that they need more post-surgery than estrogen, which I found really interesting. Um I know that my friend Kaylee, she she really cannot cope when her testosterone gets low because mm. for her it it's about her um it can make her energy levels really decline if she doesn't have it. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think it needs to be spoken about more because I think it's only the last few years that we've really started hearing testosterone being discussed certainly, in relation to menopause. Absolutely lovely. <laughs> certainly not. Um, certainly not in relation to women's health. Um, we certainly don't hear enough about it in relation to women's health. And then we have more news, don't we, about a new topical oestrogen that is now available for women that is more eco-friendly. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm sure a lot of people listening will be familiar with the product Vagifem. So Vagifem is um, a local oestrogen specifically for vaginal and urinary symptoms of menopause. So the genitourinary syndrome or symptoms of menopause. Um, And one of the most common things that people um, have prescribed is this little tiny, it's like a little tiny white tablet on the end of a blue applicator. and, you know, many it's it's a really popular choice. Um, there are others. There are creams, gels. There's a vaginal ring. But Vagifem is, is a really popular one. Um, but one of the one of the downsides um, about Vagifem from a sort of eco friendly point of view is that the applicator is not reusable. So each tiny little white pill has its own applicator. So that's an awful lot of plastic waste. Um, And a new product has appeared recently, which is called Vagirux. um, And that has a reusable applicator. So it's exactly the same type of, it's exactly the same type of product as Vagifem. It's... um, you know, kind of its major advantage, um, it's exactly the same dose as Vagifem, um, but its major advantage is that the applicator is reusable. So you're using one for, you know, I think it's 28, I think it's 24 or 28 in a packet, um, but you're using one applicator for 24 or 28 of those little tablets. Um, and that makes a huge difference to the amount of plastic waste that's going into, you know, it's probably not even into recycling. It's probably going into landfill somewhere. Um, so I know a lot of people, you know, just even on um, from my group or just looking at posts on Instagram, etc. I know a lot of people want to swap to it just because they want to be more eco-friendly. Um so, again, it's good news because it means there's one more product to choose from. Um, and it also means that, you know, if the plastic waste is something that bothers you, then you can now do something about it. But you can still, you know, you can still use your local estrogen, which is brilliant. And it's really reassuring that you kind of seeing more and more products for menopause come available in the pharmaceutical world because obviously we've had Lenzetto this year yeah. the um HRT spray mm-hmm. fingers crossed we'll have Androfem introduced in the near future <laughs> and now this so it's just hopefully there'll be more and more things available so that if god forbid we have another HRT shortage there'll be more similar like for like products out there yeah that you yeah, can absolutely. use you have more Lovely. options yeah, and I, I think, you know, it's also um, really encouraging to see more and more people sharing 
um, these things on social media. I know we've said it before, but, you know, social media has made such an impact as far as being able to get more factual evidence based information out to people um, for them to be able to, you know, generally it's go along to their doctor and get the help and support that they need. Um, of course, we've just come to the end of vaginal awareness, uh, vaginal atrophy awareness week, um, which is a collaboration between the lovely ladies from vulva cancer awareness, lichen sclerosis awareness and um, Jane Lewis, um, me and my menopausal vagina. And the three of them have just done a great job um, on Instagram, um, sharing lots of great information and also lots of little sort of mini 45 and 60 second videos um, from doctors, from patients, from nutritionists, um, lots of different people um, sharing really good information on this. And, you know, I think it's vital. It's 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 a huge upside of having that sort of menopause community um, is that we're having so much more factual evidence based information shared. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. So, I really enjoyed watching all the videos. There was 20, yeah. 23 videos, wasn't there, in total? There were. <laughs> and Yeah, but they were fantastic. And it's just interesting to kind of hear everybody's different viewpoints um, and experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, I think it was late last week. I think it was Friday, um, Friday morning. Um, Liz Earl got in touch and said, could I have a chat to her on her Friday five? And um, we talked about the campaign. We talked about menopause and education, um, talked about menopause support and the menopause support network. And then we went on to talk about uh, she had become aware of vaginal atrophy awareness week on Instagram. And she wanted to know, was it a real thing? Um, and I said, yeah, you know, kind of it absolutely is. And it was really interesting talking to Liz because she said, you know, there would have been a time when just talking about menopause, um, you know, she could never have imagined herself talking about menopause on her Friday five. And of course, she's done loads of great um, podcasts, etc., cetera, um, about menopause with lots of different experts, etc. But she said she could never have imagined chatting on her Friday five about vaginal atrophy and how important it is that we are opening up the conversation and being able to share all this information so that more and more women know what's happening to them and also know that there are very simple treatments that they can get access to which means that they won't continue to suffer in silence. Exactly. And I know from um, messages I've received that so many women have light bulb moments from seeing these sorts of campaigns yeah. where, you know, one lady, she messaged and said she's suffered from 
thrashed so many times um, throughout the year and over the last few years and she just thought it was just one of those things and now she's realized and looked into it and she's now on Vagifem mm-hmm. um because she's been struggling with vaginal atrophy and she just said it's transformed transformed her life mm-hmm. and she wouldn't have had that light bulb moment if she'd not been on social media um, and seen all the posts regarding it yeah and I think the I think we need to then think it's a really good point Soph because I think we then need to think about okay so what about all the women who are not on social media um don't maybe have access to social media maybe it's just not something that they would consider doing you know there are going to be millions of women who don't have access or choose not to have access, choose not to be involved in social media. And, you know, some days I think, you know, maybe that's not such a bad thing. Um, I, I think it's really important that we sort of address how we get the information to everybody as well, um, because there are going to be an awful lot of people, particularly perhaps women who have gone through their sort of perimenopausal stage, maybe in their 60s and 70s, who are now experiencing those urinary and vaginal symptoms, which are essentially as a result of living living without oestrogen, um, and maybe have absolutely no idea that they're related to menopause because perhaps they didn't have, you know, kind of a difficult time with menopause, um, didn't have the right information and maybe now just think, well, it's just part of getting older mm-hmm. and just put up with it. Exactly. And I think we're breaking down barriers as well. I think a lot of women a few years ago, um, probably even myself, would have felt embarrassing talking about things like this. Yeah. And I think now we're, by talking so openly, we're making it, it we're highlighting that it's absolutely okay to discuss these things. Um, that we need to start talking about it but you're yeah, right it's that normalizing be, it lovely isn't it yeah it's normalizing it and we need other outlets of kind of getting this message out there so mm. we need magazines adverts even but just yeah. they'd have to be very carefully put together i have a thing about certain adverts <laughs> <laughs> and just you know we've obviously had quite a lot of media coverage um on this morning britain and things like that and actually have more more about this element of it and this side of things um because so many people are just struggling on in silence and they they don't need to and shouldn't have to Mm, absolutely um and talking of struggling lovely you've been having a bit of a tough time yourself in the last few weeks haven't you because you were coming towards the point of having the time for you to have your implants again Yes, yeah, it's really funny, actually, because I, I said to Stephen, oh, I, I seem to be doing OK this time, you know, towards needing my implant replaced. Um, and then it was like two days later that it just kind of hit me in the face like a wet fish. Um, and I just felt awful. I actually I kind of went back to a PMDD sort of like state. So it's really, really low, low mood. Um, I, I just a feeling of. I kind of feel like I'm being drugged when I'm in that sort of state and really lethargic, like I'm trying to walk through kind of concrete 
Um, and it's, it's really tough because I'm, I'd say I'm a bit of a control freak. Um, and then suddenly not having any control of, over my own mood is really, really difficult. Mm. Um, but I had a really good appointment at, at Chelsea and Westminster last week and discussed it. Um, and we kind of came up with a bit of a plan. So we've now actually shortened the gap in between my implants, which right. is quite unusual, I believe, um, to five months instead of right. six months. Yeah. Just to try and catch me before I get into this this kind of state. Yeah. Um but the good the one positive I can take out of it is I felt um I call it the drop off. I felt the drop off happened a lot later this time, which right. is a really good step. Mm. So hopefully as the implant kind of progresses, um I'll start feeling it less and less. Um but it is hard because after I've had my implant, I'm then kind of dealing with the aftermath of just how how bad I've been because it yep. affects, you know, affects my children, um, my relationship and my work, you know, hugely impacts work. Mm. Um, and it's then just dealing with all the repercussions of that. Mm. So it's, it's really tough. You know, I, I could try and spruce it up a bit to make it sound better but it's it's really hard and I feel shell-shocked by it I think that's I think you know kind of that's a really good indication of just how difficult uh surgical menopause can be but also early surgical menopause can be and then early surgical menopause with any kind of history of PMDD or endometriosis or, you know, kind of any of those things, because it's all very individual, but it definitely needs to be managed in a very individual way rather than, you know, there isn't a one size fits all. And it's really encouraging to hear that you've been heard at your appointment and I realised that you've been heard at, you know, one of the sort of top um, NHS menopause clinics in the country by very good specialists. Um, but it's really good that, you know, kind of they've reviewed your treatment plan again and looked at changing something to, as you say, to try to avoid that drop off to ensure that your your hormones are more consistent than they have been in sort of in recent times. It's like a safety net. And, yeah. you know, I remember the first time I went to the Chelsea and Westminster menopause clinic and I sobbed afterwards because it just felt like such a relief to be heard and yeah. to have people that just get it. And it's yeah. it's easy being there um, and a lot there's a lot to be said about that that I can just sit there and talk and I'm not made to feel like I'm being hysterical or over the top I'm taken seriously and that yeah. means so much to me after numerous years you know asking my GP 19 times for some help after surgery yeah and um, having all the years where I kept going to the doctors about bleeding and pain and was just told to kind of suck it up and get on with it and yeah. it turned out I had endometriosis so having that appointment um you know it makes such a difference and that's yeah. why I think we need so we need 
so many more menopause NHS menopause clinics um, in this part of the in, in, in the UK because not everybody can access private private health care that isn't an achievable thing for many because you know budgets may not allow um and no one should be left to struggle because of that oh yeah Um, nobody should be disenfranchised from you know from the care that they deserve just because they can't afford to to go and pay for it Um, absolutely you know it absolutely should be something that's available to everybody and I think the other thing is you know I certainly I you know I <laughs> I was referred to two menopause clinics and the first one I was referred to I came out crying but I came out crying for a very different reason um because I absolutely had not been heard um and I had put so much hope into that appointment and I'd waited I think it was 4 months for it um and I just came out and wept because the person that I saw had had not heard me. Um, and then I was referred to Chelsea and Westminster, um, which was great. And, you know, I was with them for a couple of years. Um, but not everybody can get to that clinic. And, you know, as you rightly say, so that clinic needs to be replicated in, you know, even if we only had... Um, you know, sort of one centre of excellence for women who had experienced um, specifically uh, PMDD um, in each area of the country. So if we had a north, west, south and east, um, but, you know, we desperately need more menopause, NHS menopause clinics. And, and part of the problem, of course, is that there are it takes a long time for menopause specialists or even those who want to become menopause specialists to actually be able to do that because there is such a long waiting list for them to be able to train. And so then we need to look at, OK, so we need to we we really need to think about how the training goes forward and you know sort of there needs to be there needs to be a fast track to allow because there are you know there's obviously a lot of doctors who would like to learn more about menopause but essentially they're currently being held up by the queue to be able to work with a trainer you know that that makes things very difficult so we need to we need to review that too and look at how that can improve and let's hope it does. And so one um, I actually found out recently and, and there may be people listening that know this, but there's actually now a menopause um, clinic that's being run in Bedford. Yes. Yeah. And um, one of the menopause club members told me and she's got an appointment there and she actually managed to get an appointment um, within two weeks of being referred to them. Yeah, that's with a menopause nurse, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I thought that was um good to pass on just in case there's anybody listening from from the area that we're all in yeah absolutely um I think the other thing as well is you know kind of I know that uh, some of our members have said that the British Menopause Society list is not complete or you know there are um clinics on there that um they have not been able to get access to so I think that needs reviewing as well 
I think it's always good to ask on the Menopause Support Network Facebook page because people it's it's changing so often um, and people always obviously share really great information on there, don't they, about their experiences and who yeah, they've we, seen. We keep a list as well um, that Andrea updates on a pretty regular basis um, of NHS clinics. Um, so, yeah, you know, kind of um, certainly ask. And it's always also worth asking if you're wanting to be referred to one in your area, it's also worth asking if other members on the group have been referred there and what their experience has been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's always good to to sort of get a bit of insight into it, too. Absolutely. So, so we are heading rapidly towards the day that neither of us are prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> The C word. Oh but dear. If anybody is yet to fill Christmas stockings and you would like to um, support the work of menopause support and also the work of another community interest company called PMDD and Me, run by the lovely Alice Girling. Um, Alice recently got in touch with me and said, would I like to do a joint venture and produce a calendar for 2021? Um, And when she said joint venture, I thought she meant I would actually have to do something. But bless her, she has pretty much, she's pretty much done everything um, and just invited menopause support to be part of it. So she has produced this calendar of beautiful pictures with some lovely um, and useful myths and facts about menopause and PMDD. And if you would like to support it, then you can find the details on the Menopause Support website. And another project that has launched recently is one of our great advocates for the Make Menopause Matter campaign, Uh, A lady called Kate Duffy has recently launched a range of T-shirts with uh, two other generations of her family. So two of her daughters and herself. And the lovely Kate has offered to donate a pound from every T-shirt that they sell to the Make Menopause Matter campaign, which is fabulous. Um, and Kate's so the T-shirts are all limited edition and Kate's current um, T-shirt for menopause simply says, all I want for Christmas is my HRT. <laughs> that cracked me up. That was just brilliant because I saw that last week before my implant and I just that I thought that is absolutely fantastic. That was perfect yeah. for you, so It just made, I should have worn it to the <laughs> clinic if I'd got it in time. <laughs> Um, so, again, um, you can find the details of that on the Menopause Support uh, website, which is menopausesupport.co.uk. So, Sophie, my lovely, um, it really just leaves for us to wish our lovely listeners uh, a very happy and peaceful Christmas and let's hope for all of us that it is a better 2021. I hope so. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you all and take care.
We'll see you next year. Bye, everyone. Bye.